worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. Cause you're my way. Miracle working, promise deeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. We make a miracle work, promise deeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Touching her around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, mending every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. Mending every heart, I worship you. I worship you. Shua, we make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Make a miracle worker. Promise keep light in the darkness, my God, and that is who you are. We make a miracle worker, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, and that is who you are. We make a miracle worker, promise keep light in the darkness. That is who you are. 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 Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. 
never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never die. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. That is who you are. 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 Good. It's going to be really good this morning. Just thought I'd let you know. Is Julie bringing in? Oh, Ethan was, but if they're not here yet, so it's fine. If it fits, if not, they're no problem. Is that one down from the Korean version? It's <laughs> one down from the American elite right. or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's, it's the, the same sort of spec, but it's yeah. just made it's in just Mexico. It's just made with Mexican but wages. Yes. In Mexican factories. Yeah. But it's still, like, it's probably the most versatile guitar I've ever had. Yeah. Like, the, the pickups are just amazing. Yeah. But on a lot of other guitars I've had, because it's so good, you yeah. do enough to it. Yeah. But the tone in this alone is just amazing. Yeah, it sounded really good. You really did some nice stuff on that. Long time. 
It's your breath and our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath and our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. You give life. Give life, you are love, you bring life. 
Good morning, everybody. Hi, if you don't know who I am, my name's Steve. Um, I come here occasionally. <laughs> no, it's good to see you all. Um, we were praying earlier, and uh, it's interesting, isn't it? When, when times of trouble come, almost what happens is um, I think sometimes our, our sense and our awareness that, that God is around um, heightens. And uh, I think this morning, we, you know, we need to, to acknowledge the fact that uh, this is the sort of time where we need to hear from God, where we need to hear from him personally, uh, but also corporately. Um, and we're looking for God to do that this morning. So uh, I want to say... God is still God, all right? Okay, whatever is happening around us. Um, and that whatever this, the way the situations are changing around us, and, you know, some of us will be struggling to deal with 
at what's happening at the moment. But God is still God. So, uh, and we are here in his presence this morning. All right. So let's stand. Um, absolutely delighted that Andy Smith is uh, with us today. Hi, Andy. Um, you're here to lead worship, Andy, but please, you are part of us. So uh, thanks very much for coming and joining us today. Um, and we're looking for what Andy's going to bring, we're looking for what Jeff is going to bring later. And believe it or not, actually, it's not about Andy, it's not about Jeff. It's about what we bring and what we give to each other um, as a congregation today. So uh, the way we communicate with each other and share with each other is so important. So thanks everybody for being here. Everybody's presence is vital today. So uh, Andy, if you'd like to come up, I'm just going to pray. Um, and then leave it to Andy after that. Lord God, we dedicate ourselves and this time to you today. Um, it's a time for you, uh, and it's a time where uh, we ask for you to speak to us, for you to share uh, yourself uh, with us. I thank you that you brought every single person here today. And uh, Lord, we look to you today. Amen. So when I was preparing uh, for the today, I just felt that we needed to have songs that helped us to see clearly and to see God's perspective, because that's what we need, don't we? And all this, all this stuff that's been thrown at us, we need to see what God's saying. We need to know what God's saying to us. So they're all songs that are going to help us to pray Lord, let me see. Let me see things as they really are. The truth. Uh, it says in the Bible that we'll know the truth and the truth will make us free. So we're going to start with that, with that old hymn with new words. It's called You Are My Vision. You'll know the tune. So it goes like this. vision oh king of my heart nothing else satisfies only you Lord you are my best thought by day or by Waking and sleeping, your presence, my life. You are my wisdom, you are my choice. Yeah. 
light of your glory Pour out your power and love As we sing holy eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. I want to see. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart.
God, I look to you. You're where my help comes. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. And again, God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. We need these words so much this morning, don't we? Who are you looking to this morning? Who are you listening to this morning? We need to hear from that. The God that we've just heard so beautifully read about. The God of all wisdom, all power, all authority. He is our God. We need to hear from him this morning. Don't make up your mind until you've heard from him. Sing that again. God, I look to you. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from.
love you. And I will love you, Lord, my strength. And I will love you, Lord, my shield. And I will love you, Lord, my rock, forever all my days. I will Think about that word that God is our shield. God is our shield. That's his word to us this morning. He's a shield of protection around us. The sun will not harm us by day, nor the moon by night. He is my shield. He's the shield of my emotions. He's the shield of my body. He covers me. Let's just focus our eyes on who he is and his promises to us. over our city and hallelujah our God reign over our hospital here in Peterborough let's just make this declaration and hallelujah our God he's the Lord hallelujah our God he's sovereign over everything hallelujah our God reigns 
forever all my days. Just believe God wants us to bask in His love. Bask in that protection. Rest. Rest in the truth of who he is. Today gives you the gift of a sound mind. Gives you the gift of freedom from anxiety. This is your shield. We know these things, don't we? We know this, but God is reminding us today. I know you know, but I'm just underlining it for you today that I am the strength that enables you to stand. I'm the shield that stops you getting knocked down. I'm the rock that is the location point for you. So you're not blown around or Psalm 91 coming to mind. It says, Those that dwell in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It actually goes on to say that you don't have to be afraid of pestilence. That's what it actually says. You don't have to be afraid of plagues and pandemics because the Lord is our shield our protector so the key is to rest this morning in the shadow of his wings in his overshadowing us he's here in this place 
He's here in this place. Oh, He's here in this place. He's here to meet with us. So rest, rest in His shadow. Rest in his shadow. He's your peace. And he is your rest. He is your strength. the future he's got a plan for your life he's not disappointed in you your mistakes he can deal with those he's not disappointed in you he loves you with an everlasting love From everlasting to everlasting is his love for us. From everlasting to everlasting is his love. How high and how wide and how deep is his love for us. He knows all about your family where your children are. Mm-hmm. Be. Psalm 91 on my mind is famous song of... Um, psalm song of protection I just want to read a few verses to emphasize what Andy's brought to us those who live in the shelter of the most high will find rest in the shadow of the almighty this I declare about the Lord he alone is my refuge my place of safety he is my God and I trust him for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, those evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of protection. 
that we can trust you, Lord, that you're above all, that you are reigning, you are still in control. Lord, and whatever might be going on around the world, whatever the media pro projects to us, Lord, whatever um, measures are put in place, Lord, we want to just come before you and say that you are our God and we will trust you. You are my God and I will trust you. Thank you, Lord, that your word says you'll protect us. I don't believe that means that we might not get it, but he is with us and he knows the future. Lord, thank you that we can trust in you in every way. Thank you, Jesus. to give people peace people that have been carrying burdens for a long time you've just been through a long long dark season a long tunnel and it's just been one thing after another for, for years and I just believe God wants to bring peace peace right into the centre of who you are not with any fanfares or trumpets or calling you out but just where you are he just wants to speak peace and say he knows he knows he knows and he's with you footsteps footprints in the sand and all that stuff you say you say you felt forgotten and overlooked but this morning God would say to you you're not forgotten how can how can I forget the child in whom I delight Let's just receive from the Lord's hand this morning just let him minister to us and that person that's been in a dark tunnel for many years I believe God wants you to see see a light this morning he maybe doesn't want to see you see a big light but he wants you to maybe for the first time in a while see a small light at the end of the tunnel he wants to give you hope this morning he really wants to, to minister hope to you this morning that all is not lost you need to walk with him to walk with him walk with him into the light Trust in him. Somebody has sacrificed so much. And God, God says he's seen every tear that you've cried and he has it in a bottle, it says in scripture. The time for everything under heaven. God's saying there's going to be a, an end to this season, this difficult season. I want you to see that hope this morning. 
Steve moves us on to the next part of the service. Let's just linger for just one moment more. Just worship your name, Lord. Lord, teach us to linger with you. To be with you. To rest in you.
Thanks, Andy, so much. And thank you, everybody, for for bringing yourself to that time that we had together. Someone said to me the other day that uh, you know, the w the world may be different after um, this experience of uh, the the pandemic that we're going through, and uh, God won't be different. And the reliability we have is if we're resting on him, then in the midst of the change, uh, we've still got that reference point for who God is. Um, and that's going to be so crucial for, for all of us. So thanks a lot, everybody, for this morning's worship. Uh, we're looking ahead to this next week. And uh, I, I remember in in the good old days, I'm, sh I'm sure I used to have someone who... Uh, when the church secretary stood up and read out all the notices, he, he, at the end he used to say DV. And I always used to wonder what DV was. Um, and uh, essentially it's short for God willing. All right? So I, I would say all the things we say about are going to happen this week are God willing. Um, not CV willing. All right, okay. Uh, they're God willing. So uh, one big thing that is happening tomorrow and we just got confirmation of this at the end of the week, um, is that some directors of the Baptist Union Corporation, in other words, the people who decide what happens with the Baptist Union's money, are coming to see us tomorrow. Uh, they're meeting Dave, uh, Maggie, uh, and hopefully Russ and myself uh, tomorrow morning uh, at the centre, and we're going from there to look at the old John Clare. They're going to ask us loads of questions. Um, and this is probably the most important part of their decision making about whether we get the loan for £225,000 that we've applied for. All right? So it's a big day. Um, so whatever... We'd like you to remember us tomorrow morning. All right? If you remember us at 9 o'clock, that's great. 10 o'clock, that's great. 11 o'clock, that's great. 12 o'clock, great. By 1.30, even if you don't remember us in the morning and remember us in the afternoon, still pray. All right? Because um, we're going to need some help to make sure we express things clearly, um, make sure they hear things clearly. Um, all they know about us so far is what they've read on a piece, pieces of paper that we've sent to them. So it's a big one tomorrow. All right? So that's tomorrow morning. And uh, we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to have having an opportunity to say about this project outside of our group and for it to go wider in the Baptist family. So that's a big one tomorrow. Dave's going to put up some other things that are happening. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, it's great to have... We're investing in training people for the future, so, uh, it you know... If I'm going to go for my crib list. <laughs> <laughs> 
crib sheet. Is that all right, Dave? Okay. Um, some things we need to be completely aware of. Um, we need to respect each other today and take care of each other. So um, I, it's been great, everybody trying to work out how to say hello and sort of almost hug but not hug and sort of say hello. And we've had elbows and namastes and waves and thumbs ups and whatever. So let's keep that, let's keep that going. All right, okay. Um, obviously, some of us have got coughs and sneezes um, uh, and we don't want to spread diseases. So uh, always use your elbows or your, um, or your handkerchiefs or whatever. Remember washing hands. I think the taps at the back are working, but there's no soap. So just use the loose uh, if you need to wash your hands and things like that. So um, thanks very much. Um, we have next Sunday, we're looking forward to uh, Kids Church Family uh, Takeover event next week. Um, I'm, I'm delighted to be leading worship for that. Um, they've given me my list of songs, so uh, that's good. So we're looking forward to that for next week. Now, in the evening, is that next week, Dave, in the evening? There's a soaking evening. So just a... Uh, an opportunity to uh, experience in quiet in the meditation, but also in the ministry, uh, who God is and uh, him meeting us at that point. Uh, Ken is away th this morning. He's preaching at Stanground uh, Baptist Church. Um, and uh, we pray that they'll be blessed uh, as they're together. Um, the verse of the month Everyone who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Uh, Jeff is going to be preaching, but as Jeff preaches, there'll be prophecy woven into that. That's what really good preaching does, bringing God's word exactly at the right time to exactly the right people. We've already had some prophecy uh, this morning where God has been underlining things and reinforcing things. So, and that's been for the strengthening, encouragement, and comfort of us all. All right. So, we're going to have the offering. The old lampstand still with us. So, look forward to what you're going to bring from what God has already given to you. So if you've got something to bring, bring it in now, put it in the lampstand. Thank you very much. Show you
just while Jeff's getting ready to um, share God's word with us, um, just something that's uh, been on my heart while we've been worshipping, I think it's been there as a seed during this week, but I believe that this this virus and pandemic, as they call it, um, that's around, is going to be an opportunity for the church, for Christians to rise up and say who we believe God is, that God is in control. Um, during the week, I um, took a food parcel to somebody and he's, he was going to come across to my house and collect it. And he said, oh, I'd better not do that. I've got some sniffles. I've got a cold. So I said, OK, I'll bring it to you. And he didn't. He stood the other side of the door and I said, come on, it's all right. And he said, you're not worried, are you? I said, no, I'm at peace about it all. I said, I don't think you've got the virus anyway. Uh, it's not that I'm not taking precautions. But, um, but he texted me later and he said, oh, you made me feel a lot better. Um, I was getting really worried about what was going on. I mean, didn't have a major cold, you know, but um, but I believe that God wants us to be people of peace. Those people that say, yeah, okay, there's lots going on around us, but we know who God is. We can rest in his presence. We don't know what this week is going to hold, actually. They say a week is a long time in politics, but uh, it's things are happening every day. We, we've been getting messages from the top lady in um, food bank um, saying that it could come to the point where we don't give drinks and things, we just hand over food at the door. That's not in place yet, but by Thursday, who knows? And we need wisdom to know what's the, what's the right thing to do. We still want to bless people. Our hearts are still for people, and they'll be some of the most vulnerable people. Um, but we needn't be the people that live in fear because we know who our God is and he's the God of peace and we need to be the people of peace. We don't have to lecture them. We can just show it with our lives that we have peace about what's going to happen in the future. And ultimately, we know where we're going, don't we? Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Right, we're working, are we? Thank you. You can hear me? Good. <clears throat> well, morning, everybody. Um, we're continuing to look at, in our series of the, uh, the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. And uh, as we come to that this morning, and this is the fourth one, um, I think it's really helpful to remember that in many ways, um, although uh, you know, Jesus is actually bringing some real truths to these particular churches, in many ways, they're a picture, uh, a reflection, if you like, of, um, of churches that we would have seen at any time throughout the ages and, you know, at any time throughout history. And uh, I think even, <clears throat> even church in the world today you know, sees a lot of these traits, you know, if we, if we bother to look for them. We can see a lot of things that are mentioned in these letters going on in our churches today. Um, and I think even we here at Open Door Church, we're no different. You know, and as we look at these churches each week, I'm sure we can see ourselves to a greater or a lesser degree. So as I say, we're going to continue looking at the fourth of these churches, the church at Thyatira. And I'm going to read the verses from the NIV Bible 
<coughs> that relate to this letter. So it's Revelation chapter 2, verse, starting with verse 18. If you've got your Bibles with us. It says this. It says, To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, I know your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you're now doing more than you did even at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Now I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. <clears throat> now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold on to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. And I will also give that one the morning star. Now whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow. It's a bit of a piece of uh, scripture, that. And there's a lot in it. You may remember last week, if I can loosen up my pages, last week Dave talked to us about the city of Pergamum. Now, Pergamum was just down the road, relatively speaking. Thyatira was located about 35 miles southeast of Pergamum. Now, unlike Pergamum, Thyatira was a small city. Um, but even though it was small in size, it was a very busy commercial centre. It was on a major road of the Roman Empire. And because of this, there were lots of businesses set up there. And lots of these were grouped into what they called trade guilds, or unions, and they were very, very active in this city. And it was almost everybody that 
that worked in and was part of the, the, the community in this city was a member of one or more of these trade guilds. There were carpenters, dyers, selling, sellers of goods, tent makers, and a whole host of others as well. You may remember in the church at Philippi, um, we read there that um, there was a lady, a lady there named Lydia, who was a seller of purple. And she came from Thyatira. So, you know, it just shows it, it was a busy, although a small city, it was a very busy one. And, and the fact, I, I think that really, it, in many ways, as I think hopefully I'll explain in a minute, it was actually very difficult for a Christian to live and work in this city. And I think that has a big um, interpretation, a big impact on the interpretation of this letter as we go on. So Jesus begins his letter by praising and encouraging the church, doesn't he? He, say, he says, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and your faith, your service and your perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. That's what we read there in those first few verses. Now it's interesting, I think, even right at the outset, that John uses here, for I think it's the first and the only time in the book of Revelation, this title of Jesus, the Son of God. You know, we've seen him being referred to as the Man of God, Son of Man, all sorts of other variations, but here he is the Son of God. Now, there are some, um, some folks... Um, biblical scholars and that who tend to think that Jesus never said that he was the son of God but actually here and in, there are many other scriptures as well they make this very clear Jesus knew he was the son of God and here he uses this, this phrase because he wants to stress his deity he wants to stress the fact that he is the son of God he is God and as such, he knows. And as the Son of God, we see this eyes of blazing fire. He has these eyes of blazing fire, and he uses this phrase because he wants to get across the fact that he can see through us. He knows what's going on deep inside no matter what facade we portray, you know, no matter what mask we wear, he knows the real us. Because he can see us, like with eyes of blazing fire, probably like in one of the Marvel films, you know, this ray comes out. No, I'm getting a bit carried away. <laughs> but so he can see through the masks and the pretensions. And he can get right to the heart of what we're like. We see also that he has feet like burnished bronze. bronze. And the idea of that is that these feet of bronze can, can trample sin underfoot and they can severely punish what is wrong. And I think both of these are needed here in this church in Thyatira. 
But as we see here, there was a lot of good things going on in this church. And Jesus goes on and he, and he tells us what they are, doesn't he? He highlights them. He says, I know your deeds. I know the good things you're doing. I know your love. I know your faith, your service and your perseverance. Now, I think it's interesting how these things are all related. You know, love, <coughs> as we see here, leads to service. And faith leads to perseverance. If you love God, you'll serve him and his people. You can't help it. You know, it, it's a sign of our love, isn't it, that we actually want to do things for people, want to help and want to be a, a part of these things. <clears throat> and if we've got faith, then we'll persevere. You know, we'll understand that God is in control and that things will work out according to his purposes. So here was a church that had many people that loved God and they served him and his people. They had faith in his word and they persevered through the troubles that they encountered. <coughs> they helped many too. And the most important thing is they kept it up. It wasn't just a phase or anything like that. They had this reputation of being people that got on and did it. And as others got involved in the church that grew, so did the deeds, so did the works. And as we saw there, it, as Jesus says, that they were doing far more now when the letter was written than they were when they first started out. And I think that that's the way, a way that church grows. I think if you and I had been there in Thyatira, you know, we'd have been greatly impressed by this church. It was a busy, bustling, active church with lots of wonderful people in it who obviously manifested love and faith and concern and care for others. I think for us, it, it would have seemed a really attractive church. But Jesus now brings the blazing eyes and his burning feet into action. And we begin to see in this letter the deeper facts about the church. You know, he sees behind that veneer <coughs> and into some of the things that are going on. And what is it he says here? He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teachings, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I've given her time to repent, but she's unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering. And then it goes on. You know, obviously in this church, this great looking church, there's this woman who's obviously a very dominant woman within the fellowship. Not only is she a dominant woman, but she's in a position of leadership. And she 
And she gives herself, or she has this reputation of being a prophet. But this woman was manipulating and misleading members of the congregation. And because of this, Jesus gives her the name Jezebel. It's probably not a real name, but Jesus, as we know, he quite often gives people new names, doesn't he? According to their character, according to what they're like. And here, he gives her the name of probably the most evil woman in the whole of the Old Testament. The Old Testament Jezebel was the daughter of the king of Sidon, a town in Lebanon. She was the wife of King Ahab of Israel, the whole of the northern kingdom. And she in particularly, she's particularly noted for having made the worship of the god Baal popular in Israel. Now Baal was a, a fertility god. And his worship involved all sorts of things that we probably wouldn't appreciate and certainly a lot of immoral practices. In her time there were temple prostitutes, both male and female, associated with the worship of Baal. Remember it was Jezebel who spread this degraded worship widely among the ten tribes of Israel until it became one of the most popular religions of the day. She herself supported over 800 prophets of Baal who she let eat at her table. She was the one who tried um, to kill Elijah after his famous encounter with 450 of these prophets on Mount Carmel. Do you remember when he asked God to bring down the fire to burn up this soaked and sodden offering? When, even after that happened, and you know, Elijah would have been on a real high, and he was well up to facing these 450 prophets, once Jezebel started after him, he ran for his life. He knew what he was against. She was also the one who murdered her neighbour Naboth just because her husband wanted his vineyard. So you see, she was a ruthless, immoral seducer of the people. And that's why Jesus selects this name for this dominant woman in Thyatira. This Jezebel calls herself a prophet. And here we see she's, she's misusing totally a gift of the Holy Spirit for her own purposes and for her own benefit and to manipulate some of this congregation. The trouble is, she's a false prophet. <clears throat> and Jesus shows us here what this false teaching was. You know, she was teaching that it was all right for Christians to indulge in sexual immorality and in idolatry. And this is where this link to the trade guilds or the unions of Thyatira comes in. You see, in order to work in these unions, 
which, as I said earlier, more or less ran the, the city and, and certainly the businesses of the city. Any Christian who wanted to get into those businesses would have had to have joined one of these unions or one of these guilds. And these guilds were made up predominantly of pagan people, folks that didn't worship God. And the meetings of these guilds were often devoted to immoral acts connected with the worship of idols of the Greek world. I just want to quote something here from from William Barclay, the biblical scholar. Because he said this, he says, These guilds met frequently, and they met for a common meal. Such a meal was at least in part a religious ceremony. The guild would probably meet in a heathen temple, and it would certainly begin with a libation, now I'll come back to that in a minute, and the meal itself would largely consist of food, meat that had been offered to the idols. What's a libation, I asked myself when I was looking at his quote. Um, and I had to admit, I did look it up in the dictionary. And I suppose the best way I could put it is a good old booze up. Okay? A libation is an overflowing of wine, beer, whatever you want. They really went to town. They had a party. And this was all part of being a member of one of these guilds. And the problem was, for these Thyatiran Christians, that in order to make a living, they needed to be part of these guilds. But to attend the guild was to become either totally involved or at least really pressurised into doing these things. And so they had to make a choice. Did they do it or didn't they? And I think it was difficult for them to live in Thyatira for this very reason. But the worst thing is, is that this Jezebel within the church was teaching that it was actually all right for them to go along with the requirements of the guilds and that they needed to submit to the pressures of the world around them in order to make their living and that God would understand and overlook these things. You know what it's like? Her philosophy was what we often hear in business today. Business is business. And if business practices collide with your Christian principles, then your principles have to go. Because you've got to make a living. That is, I've I've heard that. I've been told that in the past. That is a way that many people do their business these days in our world. And I'm sure many of us have heard that argument too. And perhaps you've even experienced it in your own work life. I know that I have. Um, for many years, for many years, as most, I think most of you know now, I worked in the travel industry. Loved it. Had a great time. 30 years going on holidays. No, it was, it was work. But I had what, probably one of the greatest pleasures 
of, of being able to visit some of the most beautiful countries on this earth and, and to see and experience so much. And um, quite often, when I was going off on these trips, part of it was to attend a trade show, you know, where we'd meet either in an exhibition hall or um, in you know, some big conference facility, depending on where we were. And, and during the daytime, work. You know, we had to work. And we would have set diaries for three or four days and, and we would have filled these diaries with all these appointments with local suppliers, hoteliers, tour companies, bicycle rental, car rent, you know, the whole thing that you need to do on a holiday. We'd have the opportunity to meet with all these people. And so these long days would be negotiations and we'd be trying to get their prices down and all this sort of stuff that you do. But then, after the hard days working, we had the evenings. And the evenings would often be uh, some of the most amazing, magnificent dinners or a host of cocktail parties that you could go along to and all the things that went on with that. And unfortunately, a lot of people that were part of you know, my, uh, my cohort, my business and all this sort of stuff, they would go along and they'd really enjoy it. We would really enjoy it. But the problem is they would let their inhibitions go totally. And unfortunately, I can think of more than one marriage that came to an end following the activities of one of these trips. And, you know, for me, it would have been really easy to have gone along with the flow and to have got involved in some of the things that were going on. But I have to say, I just thank God that I had a loving, godly wife back at home praying for me. And that I had friends in church who were praying for protection for me on these trips. And I experienced these pressures many times. Don't get me wrong, I had a really good time. I enjoyed myself on these trips. But I knew through God's grace when enough was enough. And it was by God's grace and the prayers of many that I didn't succumb to these pressures. Now unfortunately I think this whole scenario can actually, is actually seen and can actually be paralleled in many churches today where you know, the church has begun to accept the world's view of things and, and have perhaps, some would say, let their standards drop. And I just want to think, you know, looking at the letters to Thyatira and of last week's to Pergamon. The Lord links this sexual immorality with idolatry. Now in this day and age we may find that strange and think, well I'm not you know I'm not worshipping idols. But actually one eventually leads to the other. 
And I believe the reason is this. Fornication, sexual sin, whatever, and adultery are both clear-cut violations of specific and explicit statements in the Word of God. Anyone who reads the Bible can see very clearly that God forbids these activities. It's wrong for believers to indulge in sexual immorality of any sort. And when one does, I believe that he or she is violating the authority of God. And therefore, I think that in practice, even if not in profession, God is no longer their God because other things start taking over. Or at least, at the very least, there is this enormous tension in their relationship with their Heavenly Father. You know, things cannot be right. But aside from these biblical and spiritual reasons for avoiding sexual immorality, you know, I believe that sexual immorality always hurts somebody. Always hurts somebody. It hurts God. It hurts God because it shows that we prefer to satisfy our desires our own way instead of according to his word. Or that we want to satisfy them immediately rather than wait for his timing. It hurts others. It hurts others because it violates the commitment that I believe is so necessary to a relationship. And it hurts us ourselves. Yes, there may be you know, physical things, you know, but certainly when we do these things, it affects our character. It affects how we love and how we trust. And again, I just want to say, <clears throat> you know, I've seen so many relationships that have been destroyed by the lack of trust that is created when somebody sins in this way. You know, sexual immorality has tremendous power to destroy families, to destroy churches and communities because it destroys the integrity on which these relationships are built. And God wants to protect us from hurting ourselves and from hurting others. Thus, I believe we're not meant to have any part in these things, even if our culture around us accepts it and encourages it. Now, I just want to pause for a moment here because I just want to say I've actually struggled with this message for a few weeks. Dave knows I've asked him a few things. But, you know, and this, my struggle has not actually been over what God's word is saying, but it's more about how we implement these things in church today. Um, you see, God's word is God's word. That's clear. I can't change it. All I can do is just bring what I see. And that's a quote from Dave, that is. All you can do is just bring what you see. Isn't that right, Dave? Um, but, but actually, we do need to look at God's word in context. And, and just look at some of the other things 
that are priorities to Jesus. And, and one of those key commandments to us, isn't it, is to love one another and to have compassion on all, not just a few. I don't know about you, but I remember a few years ago, there was a, um, there was a, a, a quote that was being bandied about um, that was, hate the sin, love the sinner. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Now, you know, I thought about that. When I first heard it, I thought, oh, that's a bit twee. You know, perhaps, you know, not very, not got much subs- substance, you know. But actually, when I thought about it, and then subsequently, I've really found that phrase so helpful in helping me get the right balance and, and the right response to situations that I found myself in. You see, God's word makes it quite clear that we are meant to love everyone. But it doesn't mean that we're meant to put up with and to accept everybody's false teachings and their sins, just like we see here in this church. We're not to be judgmental, but we're not to compromise either. Not on the important things. You know, the things that clearly go against God's word. But notice in our passage in verse 20 that Jesus holds the church responsible for what's going on here. And his accusation to them is that they tolerate this woman, Jezebel. And I want to say it is the church, and I think in particular church leadership that this charge is made against and you know it's not just that she's doing these things by herself you know they're not just that these things are only affecting her she's she's leading others astray as we read and and she's deliberately going against god's word and she's doing it from a position of leadership within the church now, hating the sin and loving the sinner actually isn't a very easy thing to do. Getting that balance between loving the person and confronting the issue can be very difficult. And it requires immense wisdom and love. And in the case of Jezebel, as we see here, it's not just her that needs to be dealt with. But think about what needs to happen and how we would deal with the followers that she's leading astray. I've seen churches totally destroyed because their leadership have not handled this in the right way. And, and it's because of that, I think this is probably one of the greatest challenges to our leaders today. And I want to encourage every one of us to to constantly be praying for our leaders as they seek to do what's right. You know, this is a problem that church leadership has to face in our day-to-day all the time, just as they had to face it 
back in the first century. And it may not be this specific thing that's going on, but our leaders need wisdom, compassion, and real strength in order to deal with the situations that they may find themselves in. Moving on, I just want to notice, us to notice that, that Jesus gives this woman Jezebel the opportunity to repent. You know, one of the things that amazes me so much about Jesus is that he always, and I stress that word, always gives us the opportunity to change our ways and turn back to him, doesn't he? He's always doing that for us. No matter how bad we've been, no matter what we've done, there's always a way back to him and he is always ready to receive us back. You've just got to think, haven't you, of the story of the prodigal son. You know, in Luke 15, I read it again the other day and, you know, and how the father's love for his son was so great that he accepted him back and did all those wonderful things for him despite all of those things that he'd done against his father earlier. You know, and no matter what we've done, God's forgiveness is always available to us. Always available. And we read here that Jesus had been waiting for Jezebel to repent, to turn away from her sins, to stop leading others astray. He'd given her both the time and the opportunity to turn back, but she's refused to do so. And as such, she will suffer the consequences. You know, and no matter how much Jesus loves us, if we do not repent, if we do not turn around and stop doing the things that we shouldn't be doing, and if we don't then turn to him and seek his forgiveness, then again, we too, will suffer the consequences. No matter how much he loves us. For Jezebel and her followers, the consequences of not changing her ways is going to be, what the scripture says there, a great suffering. Now I could spend quite a bit of time going and looking at this punishment and this judgment that Jesus talks about here. But I'm not going to do that. I want to move on to something much more encouraging. I want to look at what Jesus says to the church, the, the, the rest of the church, that's not been following this false teaching. What is it he says? He says, Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. That is a great verse. That. Hold on to what you have until I come. There's nothing more that Jesus is going to ask of these believers. You know, he's not going to impose other things on them and things to do. They're doing the good stuff. They're doing the right things. And he just wants them to hold on to what they have and not lose it. You know, keep loving, keep serving, keep being faithful, keep persevering. 
Stick at it, basically. Stickability is what we need. Keep going until Jesus comes again. Because if we do, there will be rewards. And there will be a victory that we can share with Jesus and be reigning with him in. But there's one little last nugget I want to look at. And that's in verse 28, where Jesus says, I'm also, I will also give him the morning star. Uh, I don't know about you, but I just think this is such a wonderful image, a wonderful symbol of what Jesus will be doing for us. How many of us have actually been up early enough in the morning to actually see the morning star? Many of us? No? It actually comes out... Um, I did have a look on Wikipedia and I got very confused because Wikipedia says that the morning star is the planet Mercury, the planet Venus, and the star Sirius. So Wikipedia is very confused and I don't really want to get into what it is. But basically, the morning star, if you get up while it's still dark, when the night is at its coldest and darkest, the morning star will come out and it shines and it illuminates the heavens just before the sun comes up. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, Jesus says of himself, I am the bright and morning star. And I believe that this is a, just one of those small little prophetic insights into Jesus' return. You know, that when things are dark and cold, when the world is at its bleakest, Jesus will come again. And he will burst onto the scene, exposing evil with his light of truth and bringing the promised rewards to the church. You see, this world is not all that there is for a child of God. It may get dark, but there's a brighter day ahead. And so, as I'm drawn to a close now, I just want to, I would say that, you know, I'd ask you to pray with me. Pray with me that we never in this church become like Thyatira. You know, we must realise that serving God is not just about doing good works, but it also involves, you know, listening to and, and living out sound doctrine. And, and live in pure lives. You see, you, it's you and I. We're, we're the only ones that can make this choice. And my question to you this morning is, will we continue to live with Jesus or compromise with the world? Finally, the Lord says, listen to all the letters of the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus wants us to take heed of what the Spirit is saying. Not just to this church that we're looking at this morning, but to all the churches. You see, each of these letters has something to teach us. These promises and these warnings are needed both for us individually to take on board, but also in our local church life. Ephesus tells us not to let our love for Jesus grow cold. Smyrna 
says, don't fear the persecution of the world. Pergamum says to us, trust the word of God to keep you strong and faithful. And Thyatira tells us, avoid both sexual and spiritual adultery. Keep your moral standards clear. And above all, keep doing what you're doing. These are tremendously practical letters for this age in which we live. And we need to heed them today as much as they did in the first century. Amen. Shall we just stand together? You know, I was, <clears throat> as we were worshipping earlier, um, that song, you know, God, I look to you. Um, I just, the words in those verses, they were just so appropriate. It, was, it said, it said, God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. And that should be our prayer this morning. We want to see things how Jesus sees them. Because we know then, if we follow those, then we'll be on the right track. Yeah, give me wisdom, because you know just what to do. And whatever our situation this morning, those words can be our prayer. So the, the song that I chose to end with was the song Waymaker. And so I think that'll be a great song to end with. But I just wonder, um, you know, we heard some really challenging stuff there, but I was just reminded the scripture that says that God always provides a way out. You know, when we're under temptation, it says that God provides a way out and he's a way maker out of a, a situation. And maybe there's someone here that you know that you're not in the right situation. And God's saying he's a way maker out of that situation. So maybe some of you have got to go on a journey out of a situation after hearing God's word today. But he's the way maker and he will show you the way. And you need to go on that way. No excuses. No excuses. You need to follow him. So you are here. You are here. Moving in our midst, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, you are here. Touching every heart, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, healing every heart, I worship you, I worship you, We make a miracle, a promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. 
Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. I'll worship you. I'll worship you. You are here, turning lives around. I'll worship you. I'll worship you. You are here, mending every I worship you. I worship you. Cause you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are, and that is who you are, 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 that is who That is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working Never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. All right, we're just going to sing this over this meeting tomorrow with the Baptist Union to say, You're already done, Lord. What seems impossible shall be made possible we make a miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my God that is sing it over the junkler God your will be done may make a miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my God that is 
is who you are. You are the miracle worker, provider, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Nothing is impossible. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Sandy. And uh, let's share the benediction together. Okay? Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Have a great week. All right? In the midst of everything, it's still possible to have a great week. So have a great week, everybody. See you next Sunday. Four.